Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another edition of the Star Local Media Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor with Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Devin Hassan, sports editor for our Mesquite and Rowlett papers, as well as Justin Thomas, sports editor for our Denton County papers. And gentlemen, let's discuss the varsities. This is going to be the second of our three-part installment of, of podcasts detailing our, um, our annual high school sports awards, the varsities. Um, thank you to everybody who checked out last week's edition of this, where we discussed um, some breakthrough athlete uh, selections that we had for this um, for this award. Um, thank you to everybody who voted on the poll on our website, StarLocalMedia.com. We just checked the results prior to recording. Um, and congratulations to Little Elm's Jorge Aldredi, who um, well over a thousand votes for Jorge as they as he distanced from what was a very uh, a very competitive uh, very competitive poll. Large turnouts for Brett Tanksley, Audrey McNeil, Keaton Morrison. Um, ultimately, though, Jorge Aldredi distances from the pack to be named uh, Star Local Media's breakthrough athlete of the year. So. Congratulations! Uh, today um, we are going to focus on the um, the categories for part two of um, of the varsities are um, best coach, biggest upset, and the category that we're going to discuss today best performance. So some of the standout performances from the 2017-18 school year. These can be either individual performances, team performances, whatever way we wanted to go with these. Just looking back at some of the top performances in each of our markets. So let's start, um, Justin. Wherever, um, let's pick one of your markets. Wherever you want to go with this. Just um, yeah. What um, what was one of the best performances in your neck of the woods this year? We'll start in five A with the Colony, and this is one of the easier choices for me. I know mm-hmm. they had some individuals that had pretty standout seasons, but uh, my selection is swimmer Emma Garfield. She won Class Five A state title in the hundred yard breaststroke, and she set the state record for that meet in the process. So I always hope to set a state record. A pretty, good, gonna be uh, pretty good, pretty <laughs> good performance. Fastest 5A breaststroker in the history of Texas. Uh, her time there was 101.74, and just a couple notes on her. I guess mm-hmm. she's a Missouri signee. Awesome year at the colony. She graduates with uh, five medals at state, and one year she didn't even compete at state because she dropped out of UIL competition for Olympic qualifying. <laughs> so uh, five medals for her career. Uh, couple golds, back-to-back golds in that 100-yard breaststroke. Also won silver in the uh, 200 individual medley back in February at State. So five total medals for her career, including two this year with a uh, gold and a state record. So, and doesn't uh, she have like pretty much every, every program record? That aquatic center in the colony, yes. Literally every single record is hers, <laughs> except for maybe like one or two that a distance runner set last year. So It's probably safe to say it's going to look like that for yeah, quite some time. I don't think those are going to be going anywhere soon. So um, yeah, you mentioned that was kind of a you know an award that you uh, didn't have a whole lot of you know not yeah. a whole lot of internal <laughs> dialogue yeah. with um, with deciding on. I was kind of the same way with my with my pick for um, for Lake Cities. I ended up going with um, Lake Dallas's quarterback Ryan Depperschmidt in his performance against Frisco Reedy in the by district playoffs. Um, you know they I mean Lake Dallas's offense just had I mean there was a lot of firepower in that unit last year and Depperschmidt was right at the heart of it. Had some just great statistical performances. I do think though he was at his best 
first, though, in his, um, and I guess his first ever uh, playoff start against uh, Frisco Reedy. He had um, a career high 315 passing yards against the Lions, but also did so on one of his on his most of his legacy. No, it was actually his second highest completion percentage of the year. Completed 78.8 percent of his passes, um, and it was complemented that with 70 rushing yards and scored five total touchdowns, one passing, four rushing, um, including three touchdowns over the final 16 minutes of game time to help Lake Dallas erase what was a 12-point deficit midway through the uh, through the second half. So they had to rally from this one. They ended up taking a 37 to 34 victory over Frisco Reedy, and in large part thanks to uh, thanks to Ryan Depperschmidt. Uh, Devin, how about one of your one of your markets? Well, uh, and and. Disclaimer here to start with. I, I limited my uh, performances based on what I saw in person. That uh, always helps. Yeah, so, so because you know you, you hear yeah. you, you know we have so many games on a given night mm -hmm. that we can only be one place. So if somebody throws a no hitter across town, for instance, that's a great performance. But yeah. I wasn't there to see it. So I, I kind of limited it to, to stuff I saw. And, and we'll start out in, in, in the in the Rylette area, and we're going to go to Saxy. Mm -hmm. uh, Jalen Maiden, uh, arguably the game of the year in 1068 football. Uh, Saxy 42, Rylette 35. Mm -hmm. um, and again, Jalen Maiden has great performances in the playoffs to, to, come, to come back against Rockwell and almost to come back against Fluffield Henderson. But uh, this was a rivalry game, and really, it was essentially the district championship game. Uh, you know, Saxe came in having outscored his opponents three hundred and sixty-seven to forty-nine. Jalen Maiden, uh, you know, who's on his way to Mississippi State now, uh, didn't put up the kind of numbers you'd expect as a D one prospect because he didn't have to. They were just so dominant throughout. We've talked about the video. We've talked about the, the song and whatnot. The diss track. Yeah. Yes, yes. I mean, they were uh, in that. So he didn't have the kind of numbers you might expect from a D1 prospect. But this was the first time all season long where they actually were challenged, and they were down 35-21 going to the fourth quarter. And again, Jalen Maiden had showed it his sophomore year. He showed it his junior year. He didn't have to show it up until now. And then with their undefeated record on the line, essentially the 10-6-8 title on the line. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jalen Maiden, when it, when it came down to it, rose the challenge. Uh, the first play of the fourth quarter, he had a 22-yard run where he hurdled the and you could just feel the crowd, that sideline. I mean, it just kind of swelled, and you just kind of said, whoa. You know, the momentum has shifted on that one run. Uh, two plays later, he's in the end zone on a 21-yard touchdown run. Um, next drive, they, they force a rally punt. He has Miles Nash on an 87-yard touchdown pass. Uh, Connects with Derek Rose on a two point conversion. Mm -hmm. That was 35-35. And again, it's just great atmosphere, great crowd. Um, uh, Isaiah Humphreys was an assist. He gets his second interception of the game to set the stage. And Jalen Maiden scores an 11-yard touchdown run uh, with 31 seconds left. That proves to be the mm -hmm. game winner. Uh, you know, finishes with 242 yards passing, two touchdowns, 141 yards rushing, two touchdowns. But again, just because because of the stakes, because of the rivalry game, and he had some good performances later on. But that was really the one that stuck out to me, where somebody just kind of put the team on his shoulders and yeah. carried him through to the end. The first time that that team had been punched in the mouth really all season. So that's yeah. Real nice test of his of his metal, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, it really was. So um, let's see, uh, Justin. Whether it's uh, Capel, Fireman, Louisville, Carrollton, uh, name uh, one more uh, one more performance <laughs> of the year. Let's go. Uh, are we stopping at one more? Because I had a couple more to talk <laughs> about. Um, I'll talk about Marcus here. Um, yeah. Didn't really have any kind of individual games mm -hmm. or anything that really stood out, at least that I could recall. So I picked uh, Marcus's girls track and field yeah. team. They uh, finished second at the state meet this year behind uh, DeSoto, and I guess what was really impressive to me about finishing second is that they got second, and they only competed in four events. Mm -hmm. So a lot of teams had, you know, more representation there, but Marcus's girls still passed them, and that's because everybody that competed got a medal. Uh, Quinn Owen got gold in the 1600. That's her second year in a row doing that. Mackenzie Hayward won 
gold in the pole vault. She's got two golds in three years then. Junior L'Oreal Daniel, she came in third in the triple dump. And then, excuse me, uh, Marcus's 400 sprint relay team took mm -hmm. second. Uh, that team was Allison Warren, Taryn Hankins, Nicole Ume Izioki, and Zora Jackson. So everybody that went down there got a medal, resulted in second place. So I went with uh, Marcus's girls track and field team there. And yes, I do want to hear the rest of yours as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of sticking with those, sticking with track. That's where I landed on for my pick for uh, for Plano. You know, this was one of the ones that did. You know, it took a little bit more, a little bit more deliberation on my part, having to pick from some pretty worthy candidates. You know, for example, you had Kyron Cumby on the football field for Plano senior. We've talked about his just. Absurd performance against Denton Guy, where he had 270 total yards of offense and four touchdowns on just 11 touches. Um, you had the, the Plano Senior Softball team, and I just put Plano Senior Softball versus the Texas High School playoffs <laughs> because they had 13 home runs over the course of a single postseason, which is just absurd when you consider just the uh, how you know how uh, how few uh, a number of games you play over the course of a postseason. Not only did they have 13 home runs, those home runs were spread across eight different batters. So Eight of their nine in the starting lineup had at least one home run in the postseason. Ultimately, though, I ended up going with Kennedy Blackman, um, a standout runner for the uh, Plano Senior Girls Track Team, and her performance at the state meet. Um, you know, she uh, she not only won the 400 meters with a time of uh, of 54 seconds, but then turned right around about 45 minutes later and then ran the 200. Not only did she uh, she got second in that, but she also ran a PR of 23:57. I mean, I always think that it's kind of an underrated subplot of the runner who has to just. You you know, bleed all of their energy into one race and then turn right around, you know, just moments later and just kind of channel that uh, that energy once more to try to run another race against, you know, some of the against some of the best runners in the state. I believe she was the only runner in 6A who had to make that, uh, you know, make that, you know, 400 to 200 jump in terms of competing in both. So to be able to medal in both, you know, first time and I want to say five, six years, at least since, uh, you know, Rachel Johnson, whenever she uh, capped her high school career, you know, the last time that Plano had a, uh, had a runner, uh, had a girls runner uh, medal twice at state um, just a, a benchmark finish to the year for Kennedy Blackman just a, I mean a, a fantastic cap to the year for Plano senior girls track in general which had a really strong uh, bounce back season one of their best years um, in recent program history as they finished fifth overall at the state meet and in large part thanks to uh, to Kennedy um, let's see Devin what about uh, what about Ole Mesquite uh, you know, uh, there, there were several uh, candidates that kind of jumped, but the one that kind of jumped to, to mind is also back on the gridiron, uh, Seth McGowan, the running back for Poteet. And it wasn't just his performance that night. It was it was the story behind it leading up to it and the magnitude of the game. Uh, Seth McGowan uh, was, was played on the varsity as a freshman uh, on their state semifinals team last year, was expected to step in and be the focal point of that offense, and they built that team around him. And he goes out first half, the first game of the season, and gets nicked up. He misses several games. He comes back. He's still not 100%. Well, fast forward, and then it's the final game of the regular season. They're playing their crosstown rival in West Mesquite, and essentially there's a playoff berth on the line. There were a couple different scenarios where people could make it, but um, most people, you know, it, the, the most likely scenario was this was a winner-take-all battle for the um, for the last playoff spot out of 15-5A. And again, you got this guy, this kid, he's a sophomore. He's been banged up all season long. He's coming back into form, but he's still not 100%. Mm -hmm. And... You know, West Mesquite knew he was getting the ball. Botit said, We're, you're getting the ball, and he just he just delivered. I mean, there was one point in the second quarter, he carried the ball in nine straight plays, 12 out of 14 on the drive. Uh, Caps dropped the six-yard touchdown run. But still, they're, they're down 21-17 early in the third quarter. He breaks free for a 64-yard touchdown run. 
one play later, after they get the ball back, he breaks free for a 79-yard touchdown <laughs> run. And, I mean, they just they just rode him to the end. Pote ends up winning 38-31. They made the play for the seventh time in eight years. Uh, his final to- uh, tally in the night, 38 carries, 296 yards, three touchdowns. Wow. I mean, they... they Basically said, "Oh, we're going to put the ball. We're going to put the game in your hands." And he he delivered. It was just a phenomenal performance for somebody again who's probably not even a hundred percent. That's a that's a good transition to. I'm going to pull a page from. Uh, I'm going to actually give Kendrick Johnson's oh, selection for uh, this for McKinney. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't want to like follow that up with like, well, you yeah, know. But, but but Matt, yeah. how many <laughs> rushing yards did your guy have? Two ninety eight. Yeah. So um yes I mean there there might not have been an easier selection in any market than um you know than McKinney uh, than McKinney running back Matt Gaddick setting the uh, the uh, the single game state record for um for just most uh, most rushing yards in a game um you know we've mentioned this performance to to death on this podcast but just for uh, another mention uh, Matt Gaddick totaled 599 rushing yards against Plano East he broke the uh, you know the the state record, which was previously 587, set back in 1998 by uh, by Somerville's Daryl Ellis. Um, just the raw numbers behind the performance, um, Gaddick did so on uh, 49 carries for 599 yards. That's good for a 12.2 per carry average, and he scored six touchdowns in a uh, in a 63 to 50 victory over Plano East. Plano East once again on the uh, on the receiving end of some uh, <laughs> of some uh, some Texas high school football history. <laughs> um, but this um, just kind of the uh, the anatomy behind this performance. This was one where you kind of knew early on that something, you know, absurd might be in store. Um, on the very first play from scrimmage, you know, Matt Gaddick had a 68-yard run, and that just kind of set the tone the rest of the way. I was just going back through carry by carry. Um, over the course of that 49-carry performance, he had eight runs of at least 30 yards, uh, four runs of at least 50 yards, and three runs of at least 60 yards. Um, he had 357 yards at halftime. Well, so I mean, he was already well on pace, and this was a case where you know McKinney jumped out to a 21-0 lead on uh, on Plano East, and then the two teams traded touchdowns literally the rest of the way. So while McKinney had a uh, you know a good cushion, it was never enough to where they could like, okay, we're just gonna we're gonna rest, Matt. You well, know? that's what I was saying. You got to give their defense an assist. Oh yeah, because if their <laughs> if their defense was yeah. legit, then he would have been out you know sitting yeah. and rested by yeah, the you're second not, half. Yeah, you're, so. you're not breaking a state record in like a 56 to seven. Win. Yeah. It's got to be a game that was relatively back and forth, and despite that hot start by McKinney, Plano East was, you know, I mean, Plano East did not, you know, just bow out. You know, the offense was still piling up points, and st- I mean, they scored 50, which is, you know, great on uh, on most nights, but unfortunately, when you're on the wrong end of history, that's, uh, <laughs> you know, that's not much you can do there. But yeah, so I mean, McKinney still had incentive to keep Gaddick in yeah. and keep pushing him, and then once you saw just how, I mean, how effective he was, I mean, we just mentioned, you know, just all those, I mean, all those massive carries that he had, so why not? I mean, if this team, if Plano East is not going to go away, then, I mean, yeah, you might as well just keep, you know, just <laughs> bleeding that stone dry, and sure enough, yeah, it was on the actually, ironically enough, on the last carry of the uh, of the game, um, as McKinney was trying to assault the one away for good, when he was able to break a 31-yard run and break the state record, all in one fell swoop, so, um, yeah, just a, uh, a, a monumental night, one night that uh, I'm sure McKinney ISD, you know, football fans will not forget anytime soon, probably for, uh, for you know, other reasons, Plano East as well, but, um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, 599 yards. It's tough to yeah, it's tough to top that in terms of just an overall performance of the year. But certainly the uh, you know the best performance out McKinney ways. Uh, Justin, what about um, what about Flower Mound? Uh, let's go with Coppell, Actually, we just mm-hmm. touched on Flower Mound a little bit with the Marcus Track team. But um, 
for Capel, I'm going to go with Lauren Kellett for girls soccer. Mm -hmm. um, this one actually was an individual game performance here, and it was a third-round playoff game against Saxe, and Lauren Kellett uh, playing goalie was just awesome. Um, kept Saxe out of the net for regulation, mm -hmm. so this one went to overtime. Nobody scored in overtime, so we had a penalty kicks 0-0. And five rounds of penalty kicks was not enough, so they actually did seven rounds, and mm -hmm. Lauren Kellett had saves on four of the seven shots. And they weren't just like Saxy, you know, missing the net. These were actual mm -hmm. saves and stuff, so very impressive. And then she turned around. She's a goalie, obviously, with four saves, but she actually scored a goal in a shootout, too. <laughs> so she had four stops. She scored the goal. It was her first time ever taking a penalty kick in a high school shootout, and she made it. And Capel ends up winning the game 1-0 in the shootouts and going on to the <coughs> out of the playoffs. So just an awesome individual game and goal there from Lauren Kellett. Which is crazy when you think of just how much of a coin flip yeah. a shootout can be to have that many stops yeah. alone. That's yeah, that that is that is very sneaky, uh, very sneaky impressive. Yeah, <laughs> just in terms of just wholesale, like you're probably not going to find too many goalkeepers that ever do that in yeah, a shootout. I think usually a shootout goes seven rounds. It's because you know it's just goal, 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 yeah. goal. But Lauren Kelly and the sexy keeper. I'm drawing a blank on her name right now, uh, but they were both fantastic. Yeah. But Kellett's goal ended up getting them over the hump there. Mm -hmm. For my pick for um, for Allen, this was one that um, again required a bit more uh, back and forth between some pretty worthy candidates. Um, you had the Allen's football team. I'd say the uh, the defense's finest showing of the year was in the state semifinals against Round Rock Cedar Ridge. They forced five turnovers in a 28 to seven victory. Just a spectacular showing on that side of the ball by the Eagles. You also had Jason Park, Allen's swimmer, in his performance at the state meet where he broke the state record in the hundred back. Stroke, one of two swimmers to break that record in that in that in that race. Um, he managed to swim a, a 47.09 to uh, to win a uh, a long-awaited gold medal in his final uh, final high school race. Um, ultimately, though, I ended up swaying a bit of a uh, you know for more of a team-centric um, you know accolade for this uh, performance of the year. I went with Allen's boys basketball team in the state semifinals against Austin Westlake. What's notable about this performance is that Allen set a uh, set a state record. Um, in the UIL, a set a state tournament record, I should say, in the UIL's largest classification for um, for field goal percentage. They shot 65.8 percent from the field against uh, against Westlake. Um, in a uh, in what was a, uh, I mean, at the time they ended up winning the game by uh, 70 to 55. But um, you know, Westlake came into this ranked number two in the state. I mean, just if you're just going to stack up just rosters, you know, talent for talent. I mean, they have four just high level D1 prospects. And um, you know, Allen um, Allen was a team that more so relied on its depth, and that was kind of what uh, ultimately made the difference. But they did so by, um, you know, kind of spreading out Westlake, luring some of their, because um, not only did I mention they had, you know, some high-level D1 prospects, but a lot of those guys were, you know, 6'10", 6'8", 6'7". I mean, they had size that this Allen, outside of Denton Guy or Allen, hadn't seen a team that big. So um, what they were able to do is they were able to use their quickness, kind of lure the, uh, you know, the Westlake bigs outside of the perimeter, isolate them one-on-one, -on -one and just beat them to the basket. And as a result, Allen shot, I mean... <laughs> If you're going to set a you know set a state record, it helps to go 13 of 14 from the field in the second half. That's right. Allen missed one shot over the final two quarters. Shot 93% in the second half, and um, you know all six players who scored for Allen did so on field goal percentages of greater than 50%. And then yeah, when you just factor in the degree of difficulty, state semifinals for all those players there it was their first trip to state. You doing so against the number two team in the state, and maybe outside of Guyer, maybe the most pound for pound talented team in Texas, um, and to do so um, to turn in a performance like that and win, you know, a fairly 
We said they won by double digits over the number two team in the state. Would go on to win the 6A state championship. But um, yeah, just that performance itself just stuck out because it's, I mean, I've never seen a team that efficient from the field at any, <laughs> let alone at the state tournament. Um, so yeah, that, um, that performance by the Eagles definitely uh, jumped out. Um, JT, let's round this out with uh, Louisville and Carrollton. Where'd you lean there? My last choice is um, Adonna Rollins for Hebron Volleyball. Of course. The Lady Hawks <laughs> won a uh, third consecutive state title this year, and Rollins was named the MVP of the championship match mm-hmm. for the second straight year in a row. Um, I have to say, in all my time working here and covering volleyball, this was like the most dominant performance I've ever seen. Um, she only had eight. Just in volleyball or like across all sports? I'll just stick with volleyball. volleyball yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just rack my brain a little yeah. more for all sports. But yeah. for volleyball, um, she only had 18 kills, but it was a three-set match, so that's pretty wow, pretty tall yeah. number. But she hit 720 percentage, which is unheard of. It was literally any time somebody set her, she put it down with the kill. I've she just kind of came on as the match went along. Second and third sets, she just absolutely dominated. Um, leading Hebron to the sweep and another state title. But so yeah, she had ten digs and ace, eighteen kills, <coughs> seven twenty percentage. Mm-hmm. It was just if you were there watching that match, it was super impressive. So that was my final choice there. It's kind of like the uh, this Allen one when you factor in just the stakes of the matchup. Yeah, I mean that just ma- that just yeah. adds even more to the performance. Yeah. So that's a um yeah that is a look at um, at least between the three of us our picks for performance of the year. We still have Taylor Raglan, Brian Murphy are going to swing by and give their picks as well, and we will get to that on the other side of this break. After a word from this sponsor. Today's Student Athlete Spotlight is brought to you by Bavarian Grill, authentic Bavarian food and beer garden. Listed by the Zagat Survey as the highest rated German restaurant in Texas for 12 years in a row. 12 years! That's three presidential terms. Uh, you can enjoy traditional and authentic spring favorites now. Everything from appetizers like slow roasted ham hock and potato pancakes to entrees like bratwurst or breaded schnitzel. Uh, bring your whole family for lunch and dinner. They are open Tuesday through Saturday located off Parker and Highway 75 in Plano, Bavarian Grill. And now, let's get back to the podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the uh, Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. I'm Taylor Raglan. I do sports for Plano Island and Lake Cities. I'm joined by Brian Murphy, who does sports for uh, Frisco, Little Elm, and Salina. Uh, we're going to continue the conversation here about uh, best performance. Uh, we'll go through all of our markets. Uh, just a two-man show, uh, absent of uh, our fearless leader, Matt, uh, Matt Welch. So We're taking over. Two is <laughs> all you need. <laughs> yeah, two is all you need. Uh, we'll be hosting this thing uh, on our own. So I guess we can start with you. Uh, you can pick whichever one of our markets you uh, you want to and just, uh, get us watch. started. You're just throwing an alley. Yeah, mm-hmm. go ahead, man. Right, best see, performance. See if I can finish. Best see performance. Can. So I'm going to stick. I'm going to start with Frisco. You know, once again, in, in all the Frisco podcasts I do, I can literally pick so many yeah, so many kids, so many. Well, athletes. there's so many schools to pick yeah, from. Yeah, now so. like 10, 10 high schools, eight last year. Uh, you know, MJ Rivers sticks out. I didn't choose him for this uh, selection, um, but he stood out last year in a big win, sixty three thirty seven win against Reedy, where he had eight touchdowns. You know, the sensational quarterback. He's off to Illinois. Uh, he threw for three hundred forty seven yards. 18 of 22 uh, completions, uh, which is a good for over 81%. He had four touchdowns through the air. He added 119 yard, more yards on the ground, four more touchdowns rushing. What? Ridiculous. <laughs> Wait a second. And this didn't win? No, they did win. No, no, okay. no. Well, they won, but this didn't win. This didn't win best, best performance? performance? Oh, wow. Because if you throw a perfect game, whether, okay, whether well, softball yeah. or baseball, yeah. that's, that's going to win. It. You know, That'll do it. It's impossible. You know, it's almost nearly impossible to do. And that's what Kendall Fritz did uh, with Wakeland softball. And a 15 nothing win over Heritage. 
back in March. You know, they run rolled them. It was only it was a five inning perfect game, but a, a five I mean, still, yeah. yeah. She struck out every batter too. By the perfect way. game's a perfect <laughs> game. That's even yeah. That's yeah. one step and beyond. So, and she was the best pitcher in the district. And you know, with a performance like that, you can't you know overlook that. No, yeah. Regardless of what you know, MJ Rivers and a bunch of bunch of other athletes did, and first going a bunch of other sports. You know, Kendall Fritz took the cake. Right. I'll go to a uh, another city where there's a an abundance of good athletes and abundance of good performances in Plano. Um, there were you know several games that that I didn't see, having been here only since February. Uh, so I guess just in my time, you know, looking back at, at the individual performance, I'll go mm-hmm. to a more individual sport uh, in golf, and I'm going to go with uh, Libby Winans sweeping her way through the 6A uh, girls golf postseason. So. When she kind of started this year from from having talked to her and interviewed her uh, both before and after her eventual uh, 6A state championship in girls golf, um, that was her goal. She wanted to um, win 6-6A at the district level, win 6A region one, and then go on and win state uh, as a senior and kind of cap her career that way. And she did. She swept through. She was 6-6A champion, um, 6A region one champion, and then state champion with rounds of, I believe, 69 and 66 at state. So, I mean, that's just, she just kind of ran away on day two. I think she was tied for the lead um, at three under on day one. And then day two, she just... um, just closed, which is kind of a theme of her career, a yeah. uh, good closer, but but really just shooting 66 on the second day of the state championship to, to lock it up and win by, uh, I think, a couple strokes. Yeah. So um, just her, her overall dominance and, and her run through the postseason, um, definitely the best golfer Plano East has ever had, the only state championship in golf Plano East has ever had. So pretty dominating. Imagine and I think, shooting a, a sub-70 and still being top. Oh, I, right? And then oh, only winning by a couple strokes after yeah. shooting 66. If I break 100, I'm pretty happy. Oh so gosh. these numbers don't even compute in my head. But yeah, she... 6A is in the state of Texas. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It was, just, it was just so dominant. And the fact that she set out and you know set that goal for herself and said, here's what I'm going to do. And then she just literally went out and mowed through everybody and did it. So I think that's pretty much the definition for me of you know best performance. Just her ability to, you know, dominate at every level and, and end her career with a, a state title. East first, definitely the best golfer East has ever had. So Hard to top a, a state champion, you know, shooting that that ridiculous of a score. But I'm yeah. going to switch over to Salina slash Prosper. You know, a couple basketball players that were really dominant. Carson Stastny as a sophomore. Uh, he was one of my uh, breakthrough players to watch last week. Uh, he had 29 points in a big win against uh, Princeton. You know, he was their leading scorer, district MVP, offensive player of the year as a freshman the year before. He's the coach's son, too. So, you know, he's been playing his entire life. Right. Uh, he's, you know, he's the, easily the most skilled player on the floor at all times. He's 6'5". Um, phenomenal basketball player, but I didn't go with him. Again. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Once I, again. <laughs> and, and, and another pitcher who threw a bunch of no-hitters. You know, there was three or four no-hitters she threw this year. Off the top of my head, I'm, I'm, I can't remember against two. I know, like, Newman Smith and Creekview and stuff like that. Uh, for Prosper, Rachel Eckroat, who was one of the most dominant pitchers in the entire state in softball this year, but I didn't choose her either. You know, because which no-hitter am I going to pick? Right. So I went with Zach Reitzel, uh, the forward for the Prosper Eagles boys basketball team. Uh, he led um, Prosper to a 56-39 win over Little Elm. Uh, this, the third meeting between the two teams, the second time in district play, and this was at Little Elm. So Little Elm had came back and beaten them uh, in the first district meeting at Prosper a few weeks before, and then they come in and then just wallop the Lobos at Little Elm, which is really impressive. I think Reitzel had like eight rebounds in the first quarter. You know, he was just a monster. He had finished with 27 points. They win uh, by double digits. One of the few teams to even beat Little Elm. 
uh, in, in 5A competition this right. year. And, oh, man, he was a one-man wrecking crew. Prosper right. was a really good team. Don't get me wrong. They were state-ranked. Right. right there with Little on, but Wrightsville was just... Prosper was state-ranked in just about everything. Well, yeah, <laughs> the sure. 5A level. Sure. But they were top five. Yeah. Right there with yeah, Little absolutely. on. was like seven or something. Yep. And, you know, they have RJ Hampton, you know, of course. Uh, but, yeah, Wrightsville just dominated that game. He was on a, on a court with... With Hampton and, and you know all the guys Prosper has, right? So was the best player that night on the floor. Right. Cool. Well, I guess all this uh, talk of dominant pitching, I'll go ahead and go over to uh, Lake Cities and Lake Dallas specifically, where it's a guy that uh, I've covered a lot in my time here and talked about a lot, I'm sure, on, on these podcasts in Mason Meeks, but that doesn't diminish the fact that, that he deserves best performance for Lake Dallas. Mm-hmm. Just the title of, of this category for me was literally Mason Meeks versus District 14-5A. So you didn't even like pick a, a specific <laughs> he, game? Just no, to- just everything. I mean, there are specific games. There was one game where... Um, I'll get to that in a second. But <laughs> basically, um, just Mason Meeks' entire body of work against District 14-5A uh, last season was just um, pretty overwhelming for everybody that, that had to face him. He even had a hand at beating Prosper, Prosper's only uh, district baseball loss. Um, and in more than 40 innings of work, uh, didn't allow an earned run. I know I've mentioned that stat on the podcast before, but, I mean, that's just... Again. It's ludicrous to just mm-hmm. go every appearance in district play, never allowed earned run. He did allow, I think, five total runs, maybe, but not a single one of them was earned. So, and then I think his overall ERA for the season was it was definitely sub one, and I want to say it was yeah. you know seven, eight, nine, or something like that. So you so, see that in softball, but in yeah, baseball, especially when yeah. in a district with you know Prosper, the Colony, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of other you know really really good teams. That's, right. that's absurd. Yep. And all those stats kind of added up for him to uh, yet an appearance at the Texas High School Baseball Coach Association All-Star Game, which makes him All-State. Um, he was All-State academic uh, selection as well. Um, he'll head off to Drury University. But I guess if you're going to make me pick one game, <laughs> one performance that, that kind of shined above the others, I believe it was the, the first game of district play in Lake Dallas, who ended up finishing right behind Prosper mm-hmm. in the district, had a little bit of a scare uh, against R.L. Turner. It was a uh, just a ridiculously long um, extra in a game that was strange because Lake Dallas ended up Lake Dallas ended up winning like fourteen to six, mm-hmm. but it was because they took off in extra innings and scored like eight runs. Um, but I mention it because Meeks uh, he worked five innings of one hit ball in that game, didn't give up a run, and then chipped in a grand slam the plate wow. for, for okay. good measure. So okay, I didn't uh, know he had it like that. Yeah, okay. definitely uh, kind of set the tone for a district play. I don't know if he'll hit at the at the collegiate level, but he was pretty impactful in, in all facets uh, every now and then for Lake Dallas. But just his his uh, performance on the mound against 14-5A uh, and basically all season long against everybody. Uh, one little one little blemish, I guess, with the playoff loss to Reedy uh, in mm-hmm. a pretty tight game, but um, you couldn't have asked for more than, than Meeks gave them on the mound this year. So Now, I was at games two and games three of that series, mm-hmm. so I didn't see, Me- I don't yeah. see Meeks pitch, he, pitch No, he one. shouldn't have. He pitched game one. Okay. I believe uh, Ryan Debersmith pitched game yeah. two, and then Tyler Duffy went game yeah. three. Yeah, Debersmith was awesome. I felt like he was their best overall player, mm-hmm. and I didn't see Meeks bat. I, no, I think he usually, I, I think the Grand Slam came um, once he started pitching. He kind of just got inserted in the lineup, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there was a lot of lineup juggling going on, and you know, I, I believe it was a, I can't remember exactly how many innings it went, but it was an mm-hmm. extra inning game, so I'm sure that was the case. He didn't necessarily play the field constantly for them, like Debra Schmidt kind of does yeah. everything for, for Lake Dallas in two sports, actually, which mm-hmm. I, I heard Matt uh, talking about his performance against Reedy in football uh, for mm-hmm. the last portion of the podcast, I believe. So, yeah, Debra Schmidt's definitely a, a tremendous athlete as well, but yeah. nobody on, on Lake Dallas's baseball team contributed more um, or at a higher level than, than makes it on the mound. It was it was pretty insane, I think very deserving of, of best performance. Flipping it 
back to the hardwood. So, you know, I, I just mentioned R.J. Hampton. It's hard not to. Right. One of the most yeah. highly recruited basketball players in the entire country. You know, so it, it's kind of easy to kind of go with, you know, one of yep. his performances where he dropped over 30 points multiple times. He dropped over 40 points more than a handful of times. Yep. But I'm not going to go with Hampton. Again, this I, is a theme. You're, you're establishing it, a theme it, here yeah, of, yeah. of so setting it's, something it's up. It's a trending thing here, here with me. I want to I mention the snubs first, you know. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go with his teammate, his five foot five point guard teammate, Javion Williams, in an 85-31 win over Creekview back in January. 85-31? 85-31. He hit Ooh. 11 three-pointers. J.B. Uh-huh. Williams did. He scored 37 points. I know. Yeah, 37 points. And, you know, he he might be the best shooter, you know, that I saw, that I covered all, all season long, and that's with, you know, R.J., I mean, all the kids from Prosper. That would back it up. Yeah, no, he's – and he's – you know, he doesn't let his his lack of height, lack of size, you know, yep. you know, hurt him, you know, on the court, you know, because basketball is all about a, a sport of height. You know, if you if you have the height, you'll you make it far. But he was five foot five, and that was the most memorable performance, you know, in Little Elm. That that might be more memorable than because I'm a basketball guy, I'm a big big basketball. Right. Guy. That might be more memorable than you know the Kendall Fritz perfect game. That might mm-hmm. be more memorable than the Zach Reitzel performance where right. he dominated. Uh, uh, little um, just a few weeks before that, so you know I like three pointers too. Man. I, like <laughs> I mean, that. who doesn't? Eleven three pointers. It's like home runs or, or anything yeah. else. Everybody likes the everybody. Well, likes the dunk the is ball. the coolest, but you know if you can't dunk, if you're five foot five, you know pouring <laughs> thirty seven points you know, right. when you're when you're on the same team as the yeah. number two ranked player in the class of twenty twenty. So That'll that was uh, definitely uh, my most memorable performance at Little Um, without a doubt. Cool. Well, I guess I will uh, transition to what was probably the the hardest. Uh, coverage area for me and Allen to pick a, a best performance. There were, you know, um, Allen Baseballs uh, somehow winning another <laughs> another district title uh, in 6-6-A, even though kind of all year we had this feeling about them that, you know, it, it could come crashing down or, or they, they weren't quite going to get there, but they hung in and, and found ways to win baseball games. So I think they had a very good overall performance. Uh, obviously the Allen softball team, mm-hmm. um, I think I chose them for best moment, but that could have been best performance too, finally getting back to the playoffs. Um, just there were there were several uh, overall performances, mm-hmm. I guess. But I'm going to go with one that I wasn't present for, but watched on uh, TV uh, in the state uh, title game for football. Brock Sturgis uh, versus versus Austin Lake Travis. If you're looking at individual performances, mm-hmm. especially in you know on the biggest stage and, and in the games that literally matter the most, the last game of the year for the state title. Um, if you uh, if you get the ball and, and run for 176 yards and three touchdowns uh, in the 6A state title game, that's uh, that's pretty good. He averaged more than five yards per carry. Um, really just quite literally carried the load for Allen uh, in a 35-33 victory. There were a lot of things that had to go right in that game, obviously, for, for them to hang on. But mm-hmm. but having him in the backfield and, and being able to wear down defenses the way that he did and, and just kind of having that confidence that, okay, we're going to hand the ball to, to Brock and it's going to be another five-yard gain or mm-hmm. it's going to be a score or it's going to be it's going to be what we need in that moment. Uh, and it all kind of came together for him in that state title game and just a, a really tremendous uh, performance for a guy that had more than I think 2,100 yards as a senior last year total, like 30 scores, um, a really dominant legacy, maybe the best you know Allen running back ever. I think he's got a really strong argument to that title mm-hmm. and, and could probably be considered that. Um, but it all kind of encapsulated and, and came together for him in the state title game when he had just a you know a tremendous performance. Like I said, wasn't there in person, wasn't wasn't covering it for social media, but I watched the state title games and he was a. Uh, it was pretty dominant. See, so. I remember watching those games on TV, uh, you know, the state championship games, and I remember Allen didn't really throw the ball that much, so I just pulled up their stats, and Tisdale, he only threw the ball eight times. Yeah. For 34 They yards. literally just said, you know what, you're yeah. a bell cow. 
we need uh, we need to run out the clock. We need to get a lead, so we're just going to keep handing the ball. Sturgis ran the ball 32 times, and th- th- it works. If you're going to average five yards a carry on 32 carries, what else would you? What else mm-hmm. should you be doing if and you have that kind of weapon in the back? And that's when you have a weapon like Theo East, too, a mm-hmm. receiver, and he had four catches, 27 yards, and he was you know took the the back step to to Sturgis. Yep. Who man, that's. I didn't realize he was that dominant in that game. Now looking back, you know, yeah. I didn't realize how much they relied yeah, on the running game. It was a really game. dominant yeah. performance and and a really uh, really impressive uh, mm-hmm. performance, and especially in such a close game. Yeah. When you think about three touchdowns and a two point game, I mean, yeah. that's a lot of the yeah. a lot of the production. Sure. So, I guess that will just about wrap it up for us. Do you have anything else you want to mention in the the best performance category? You mentioned just about everybody. I did. I, I, I would did. think. I, did. So. I, I mentioned the snubs and the winners. <laughs> This is probably the best two-man show yeah. in history of the yeah. podcast. Well, it, you know, I think it might be the only two-man show in history, yeah. but but still the best. So that will wrap up the uh, Monday edition of the Star Media High School Sports Podcast. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, we will be back on Thursday mm-hmm. with, I believe, another look at our question series. Uh, so you can look out for that. Until then, uh, have a good uh, rest of your week, and we hopefully see you on Thursday. Y'all take care. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.